Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, here we go. We're back. Uh, no YouTube today. Apologize to people uh, that, that want the YouTube. So we're we are naked. No, we're not fully naked, but we are talking. It is December thirty first. It is New Year's Eve. A naked podcast. A would naked be a podcast very different is, is, experience. It would be a very different experience. But it is New Year's Eve, and we figured we'd fire up like a a year in review pod. First, are you a uh, are you a New Year's resolution guy? Are you you don't not a resolution. Uh... I don't really make a, a resolution as much as like I will use this as like a starting point. Like tomorrow I'm like cleaning up the diet a little bit. Like yeah, we're going to yeah, work yeah, out. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not doing it as like so maybe a little bit, but not like there's nothing like formal. It's more just like, yeah, I'm just, OK. It's a good place to start. It is, I do like, though, I do. It is nice to reflect. Mm hmm. I think that's I think that is not to be all like cheesy, but I do think like that that's what I like about the new year is it 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 allows you to reflect, but then it feels like okay, here we go, new year, blank slate, l- l- here we go, kind of a a, a duality to that. Yeah, there's this it's a good it's it's good for people to have that like ending and beginning. Like right. that's people that's good for people to do that, you know, and it's a everybody kind of refreshes at the same time. I think right. Yes. Well, it, yeah, that's the one thing I, I I miss about school was the rhythm of school yeah. of like here comes the end of a school year and then a, then then you get a new school year and there's just there's something about a good reset and rhythm to that on the summer break and then you get the summer break with it too but yeah so I I do enjoy uh I do enjoy New Year's Eve reflecting and then New Year's Day there is like a, a feeling about it that that feels like okay i can i'm gonna try to be a better i'm just trying to be a better this year in whatever way you want to do it Uh, the thought of it being 2023 though is it's scary because i'm i'm like i'm just thinking about like i've been thinking a lot about the 1920s like i don't (laughs) know why it's like once it hit 2020 i was like oh it's like it made me ref- think about like what people in the 1920s felt like it, cuz it feels like man we're really like yeah. we're really going you know and so it's like what we're already at 23 like i don't know it's like i i'm relating everything to 1920 so like I, maybe there's a stock market crash but, right right like, right right but like i just am i don't know why it's like it makes it makes it just like crazier to me or something why are you is it because of the nice round number of the year 2000 but or is it just of something of our age where everything, that's the pivot point for, for instance, if someone says something is 20 years ago, I think of 1980. I still do it, yeah. But I don't know if that, is that a product of like, if someone that's 60, was there some, if someone says 20 years ago, they think of 1960 and like, or something like that, like. Yeah, I don't I'm know. trying to figure out if it's something with your age or if for us, it was the nice round figure of. 2000 and you, you know what I'm, you, does that make sense of what i'm getting at like a little bit because i think 
most of like we talk about the nineties a lot here, but I think most of your like forming the things that form you happen in your first 25 years. Right. And it's hard to think about like events in time outside of that. So you get kind of stuck in right. that time frame a little because bit. Because I almost think you know, on our last podcast, we were reading about uh, Jason Peters' tweet to, uh, about Garrett Nelson, and he was like, "I always tell Nelly, you were born twenty years too late." It's like I think actually, thirty. Actually, Jason, <laughs> he was born thirty years too late. Yes, but that's the same but problem. Same yeah. thing. Like in in Jason's mind, I bet he has some pivot point that is just inaccurate. And so I just wonder, at what point is it going to be twenty fifty five? And if someone says twenty years ago, am I still going to go nineteen eighty? Like, at what point do I fucking well, wake up and not, on, not realize that on that same note like our 20 year high school reunions coming, coming up. up and if you were to ask me like without really thinking through it, like how, how many years have been since, since high school you'd probably be like oh 10 it doesn't feel like a 20 right no. so we it, there is something that it just feels like that's just it can't be 20 well years. i always it can't think be that I, long i know i always think about um age is so i'm so fascinated with age and time as i get older where I'll think about how old I am and you know, I'd be the equivalent of to, to a kid to a Lincoln Southeast football player, basketball player as a senior, we are, it would have been like those eighties teams that would come and play in the alumni tournament. And I remember thinking like, God, those are some old guys right there. And it's like, it's amazing that that would be how a high school senior would view guys like me and you. Yeah. You know, that that's a wild thing to me where I wish I wish people, you know, there's that question of of like, if you didn't know your birthday, how old would you feel? Yeah. And I wonder how much we play to, well, I am 38 or I am almost 40. And so you act accordingly or you think accordingly or and and it goes the other way, like being young, an 18 year old, like, oh, he's 40. Wow. I view them a certain way, you know, like. We we allow the number to impact a lot with that, you know. It's weird. It is. It's time and time is going faster as oh you get older. God. Like it's really moving at a speed that is like I'm starting to go. Okay, a month used to feel like a month. A month feels like a week now. I know. It's it's nuts. But 2022, almost in the books. It's 4:23 p.m. on on New Year's Eve. Um, I kind of wanted to. This is more informal. I think one time we did this, I did like a, a very like the top 10 stories and it was in order and there was thought like, I'm just going to kind of throw a bunch of stuff out there and we'll react to are it. These, if, are these broad or these Nebraska football or are these kind of so, anything? So I have a I have some local. Do you, want, do you want to do the local stuff first and then do the national? Because I was shocked going through. I, I just Googled Ooh. 2022 sports year in review and ESPN had like a great rundown and I wrote down the things that were like, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Ooh, okay. Do you want to do local quick? Do you want to do you want to just let's mix it up, mix it up. This you want to mix good. it up, okay? Yeah, so for the first, I mean, obviously the biggest story of the last year, this would be an easy one, is Scott Frost being fired yeah. and being fired, not just being fired, being fired three games into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, by far the biggest and most shocking story of the year. Um, it'll be interesting as time passes how we how we view this, um, what we remember about it. I'm not sure if I'll remember the Georgia Southern loss. It, because I wrote that down because that obviously ended it all. But I still think that onside kick up 11 was the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. But I've, easy choice for the biggest story of the year. Yeah, in our Locally. world, in our in our life 
for what we do. I mean, we do the podcast. We're big Nebraska fans. Uh, that was huge. I mean, that was monumental in terms of like the biggest thing that happened to us. So for sure was, uh, I agree with you. I think it, for me, it was, it was that onside kick was the moment. I mean, cause that's a big game. It was the, it was the first the, game. The game in Dublin, yeah. uh, big 10 game against Northwestern. So, um, yeah, just, you couldn't, you know, and it was just, it was such a, a weird five years uh, right. for that tenure and for it to end like that, man, it just, yeah, I think we almost need to step away from it for a couple of years before we revisit and go like, okay, what really, what, what do we really know went wrong? I think we've, we've, we've we gone think, through it. Right. We think we know, but like, we also need some time, see another staff, see how they do. And we'll probably have better, we'll have better answers after the call it two or three years of Matt rule. I, and I think as time passes, you have a better feel of what went wrong with Polini or why it didn't work with Riley. I'll be interested with time, what kind of perspective we're able to fully gain with what didn't go right with the Scott Frost era, because there's obviously a lot of different, it's never just one thing, but there's a lot of different things, but it is just, again, it is still shocking to me how to for him to if you would have told me when he was hired he would be fired mid season in year five and it would be met with pretty much unanimous like yeah probably yeah. the right move just yeah it's amazing but I don't know like the Georgia Southern loss isn't at this point that's not the first thing I think of yeah I don't know if there is a I mean I think of the onside kick but I don't know if that'll be the first thing I think of. Like like for for Callahan, a lot of people think of the Oklahoma State game in 07. For some reason, that game becomes like the synonymous game. Yeah, or, you got embarrassed, and then then you're gone. Then, I don't know what that is for Frost. Frost, necessarily. it was almost. I think the whole his whole tenure was like it was like these losses that we just every Iowa loss he had almost to Befuddling. me. Yeah. I think it's like you, you put those four Iowa losses on there and, and that's, go, that's the, that's that to me is like the era. It's like, Oh my God. The other story I wrote down, uh, just kind of that Eric Chenander fired after the Oklahoma game. Then yeah. that, that, I mean the guy that held things together, that side of the ball, at least the defense in year four there was just an enormous erosion. There was enormous fall off and to get fired four games into the season. And then to also subsequently see how the defense snapped into being like the, the defense wasn't great this year, but it got to where it took massive steps forward from yeah. the first four games of the season to the last eight. But certainly that's a big story. Yeah. Uh, when I think of this year locally, Trey Palmer on a variety of levels. I still think, I for me, now I wasn't around to watch, there there had to have been some Johnny Rogers games or some Irving Fryer games that I'm not up to speed on. His performance against Purdue was the best wide receiver performance. And on the short list of best individual Husker performances, not as good, I'm just saying, like, when I'm writing him down, I'm like, okay, Sue versus Texas, Texas, uh, you could go Taylor Martinez against Kansas State in 2010. You, I think you get where I'm yeah. like Trey Palmer against Purdue, seven catches, 237 yards, and two touchdowns. And then he has a season where he breaks he had single single game receiving record, single season receiving record, 71 receptions, the most ever by a wide receiver, second all time thanks to Marlon Lucky in in hanging getting, in there, Marlon. How Good about work. that? But Trey Palmer. Certainly a huge figure in this year locally. One of the bright spots of the year that yes. I think kept Husker fans engaged was like, we believe we could win any game because 
well, Trey could get 300 yards and a couple <laughs> touchdowns uh, and made it really hard to defend us in a lot of ways. So yeah. he was a uh, it was the first time in my adult life that we had a wide receiver that I just said, like, he's different than anybody I've ever seen. Yes. In terms of he's just that fast. I, there have been good wide receivers. You and I were huge, and you played with him. I thought Nate Swift was a baller. Todd Peterson was a good player. Uh, got to where Kenny Bell, Stanley Morgan were good players. Westerkamp really Jordan good at Westerkamp football. Westerkamp was a good player. I never f- like with Trey Palmer. There was a there was a different confidence with him because he was like it, it wasn't just Westy was like the the short yardage slot third and five yeah. six yard slant. His was seventy yard bombs that he, I just haven't seen. He would change the game multiple times just by running deep routes and seeing who could keep up. Like it just changed everything. Uh, I almost feel like we didn't use him enough. Right. Now that I saw like when we like how many times a game did we throw to him deep? We actually threw it to him a couple times every game. We tried to at least, but almost you should have done it more. Yeah, I agree. And he also is the one there. There have been highly ranked players that you go, "Ah, I don't really see that. Like, but he's the one like, Nebraska gets a five-star wide receiver, and you go, "Oh, that's what." Yeah, he, next level. He actually, for how good he ended up being, I think he was under the radar coming in. Like we thought, oh, this guy could be pretty good, but we weren't thinking he's going to be that. No, three hundred yards in a game type of thing. So, um, and that, I think that game put him like s- firmly in the NFL. Yeah, you know, what I mean, he had a good season. If he doesn't have that game. Uh, he might be coming back for one more. I agree. But that game I, changed the everything for him. Yeah, that game. I think he pretty much wrote his ticket to the NFL. Right. Um. The next thing I wrote down was the, just the Mickey Joseph rise and then the unfortunate fall. But the Mickey mania that took over from basically mid September to about what would you say November one? I don't know if it was the yeah the Illinois or Minnesota loss that felt like that. Okay, that's it, you know, but like there was a real, and and this might get forgotten as time passes. There was a real month and a half Maybe where he as, had yeah. the, the, the state's hearts and minds. And a lot of people wanted it to be Mickey in terms of it being the new I, head. Coach. I don't think there was a, it was a, I think the majority of people were pro Mickey. Some were feverishly pro Mickey right there was some people that were more like let's wait and see and trust Trev here and there was not that many vocal anti Mickey's in my opinion I didn't hear a lot of like it can't be Mickey Um, I I heard way more Mickey either like I'm fine with Mickey or I'm very wanted to be Mickey the Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little, bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. 
Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. I'll be honest, especially as I've grown and progressed as a media member, I've gotten better at meeting a narrative head-on and being willing to give my opinion on something, even if it's going to be against the grain and not be received well. Yeah. I would say early on, I was nervous to maybe go against the grain. It's, I mean, put yourself out there and go, it's, yeah. you know, and getting, getting all those arrows. Mickey was one of the first, I feel like I can be honest now, especially because he's completely out of the picture. Yeah. I'll be real honest with you. Mickey Joseph and that topic was the first one that I was afraid to really, I, not say I didn't speak my mind, but I never wanted it to be him. Yeah. I didn't think it was the right idea for him to be the head coach. But I was a little like, everybody's on edge. Frost was just fired. It's probably not the best idea for the pod and for me to be like, come on, guys, Mickey Joseph, he I, can't be the head coach. Well, and I think with him, there was what I had to do is like I had to talk it through with a lot of people like the the real pro mickey people i think did a made a pretty good pitch i was sort of like i was still in the middle the whole time like i was still trying to understand who mickey was as a head coach because i just i didn't know a ton about him as yeah. a coach right but i also saw like that you know the recruiting thing was a big was the big push with him is like the elite recruiting ability, right? Is that the is that the new era of college football? Like that's the part that Mickey, I think, piques so many people's interest. He's a he's a former Husker. He understands Nebraska and the elite recruiter. But like very unproven as a coordinator or head coach right. in college football. Right. So like that's the part where it's like we're like, wow, we may have been over our a little bit in terms of that like yeah i just think the mickey mania was so feverish and so real that it even caused me to to slow your like slow my like i'll humor I, like it made me be like well i better humor this or at least hear it out or have an open mind about it yeah but i think that that's something that i could see getting lost in 15 years not that it's a big i mean it'd be a minor footnote but Getting lost about the moment of you this have, year. You know what's interesting about the way we did our show those months is we talked a ton about coaching, and it was yeah we talked about Mickey a lot, but we basically were like we're going to talk about the coaching search, and we basically said and we're not going to talk about Mickey. Right. We're going to talk about every other potential person because I think we kind of understood like we don't know what this Mickey. Thing I don't even is. know. How, I didn't even know how to have that conversation. I just didn't know. Like to me, that's something that like Trev either was like really considering it hard or I'd, I'd it love to know like, I'd love to know how serious he was considering him as a candidate I don't know I mean I think one time I even told you I, I was having a hard time on like Mickey was living in this world where everything that went right in a game and if they won it was all because of Mickey but anything that went wrong we bad players play Mickey. and it's Frost, well I mean what Scott, do you expect Frost, you yeah. so then I was like well when that's the case I don't even know how to begin engaging in a conversation about Mickey. And then you add to the fact that there's no head coaching resume to it. He has no experience. It was a, it was a really hard... 
I think I, it's interesting to talk to this about you now after the fact. I think we had a really hard time figuring out how we I, wanted to talk about Mickey. I, for me, I, I, I said from the get-go, it was more I said, look, this is, is going to be his resume. Yeah. And he loses big against Oklahoma. That hurts because the Mickey mania was feverish going into Oklahoma. Huge. Then we win two following that. It regains steam. If he beats Illinois and Purdue, this guy might have the job. I, I, I think it's a huge what if. And I, and again, if he and they were close, they were close to beating Purdue. Yep, they could have easily beaten Illinois. Mm-hmm. If and same thing with if if Casey never gets hurt, who knows how all all that stuff plays out? Like there's a world in which it felt like Mickey being the guy could have been real. Yeah, because I'm thinking like the Matt Rule, they they were talking with Rule, but they didn't get Rule locked up until yeah, the no, end. So yeah. like that's where the the Rule Matt Rule being Trev's guy um, was probably always going to be you know behind the scenes. Trev's doing his job; he's doing what he needed to do. Exactly why he he ran it like he ran right. it. So, but the pressure to to hire Mickey would have been. Big that time. would have been interesting, right? Let's say, okay, you can get Rule, but Mickey just won four straight and beat Illinois at home, who is a ranked team. Good luck not hiring Mickey. You know, like yeah. it would have been Trev. Then, then the target then goes from from no target to the targets on Trev's back. Yes, I honestly think it would have been the kind of thing where if he would have hired Mickey and it wouldn't have worked, people would have blamed Mickey, not Trev. Yeah. But if he wouldn't have hired Mickey and it didn't work, everybody would have blamed Trev. You know what I mean? So it's just an interesting footnote in this year. I don't think people realize for a month and a half, the Mickey mania was crazy. You know, that's where, like, I always talk about, like, what people on the streets are saying. Like, I think you asked me this last week. Like, people have been talking a lot about Nebraska football. Like, a little bit, but not quite. Like, there was a month and a half there. It was Mickey, 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 Mickey. Everywhere you went, it was. Is it Mickey? Is it not Mickey? Isn't that amazing? Is it, he is he right. turning it around now? Is like people were just. It's interesting you say that. Yeah. I, people. I had more like the, the, again. Everything's anecdotal, but like I felt like I had more conversations about Mickey. Is he going to be the guy? Than rule after he's been hired after rules been hired by far actually which maybe that's a product of in season you're just more into the program than you yeah. are in december or whatever that could be the case uh but the mickey mickey joseph was a huge part of this season wow what a, this year what a ride this year was it was like we it was like the best terrible ride you've ever right. been on and then and then obviously the unfortunate way that the mickey joseph in thing ends is like wow and i think that's part of the whole rule uh, I, that knocked the wind out of a lot of people. I completely, I think, because uh, a part of me wonders if I think Rule was going to hire Mickey. Oh, I know he was trying to. I think he was going to hire Mickey. I think Mickey was going to go, I think Mickey was asking for a big number, as he should. Yeah. There, there are very few times in life that you have leverage, and when you have it, you use that motherfucker. Yeah. And he was doing that. Yep. And then we all know the unfortunate situation event that happened and i do i think that took the wind that was a one final punch to the gut for husker fans to be like i'm checking out why is everything got to be this hard kind of and i do think people would be more excited about rule if mickey was the wide receiver coach i know it's too bad it's really too bad that 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 that's how it unfolded yeah i mean just because mickey such as you know he did such a 
a stand-up job for the team this year and right, for that right. to end that way. But but it's bad. interesting. The other thing I wrote down was just the, the the long coaching search. I mean, this shit lasted, what, I mean, I think it was like 60, 66 days or something like that. It was 60 yeah. to 70 days. The rumor mill only heated, I would say overall, it was actually fairly, you didn't hear yeah. a lot, but it by the end, it, things were getting pretty stressful as to what was going on, but just just to endure, for all of us to endure a two-month coaching search is, is crazy. I mean, and, and you got to give props to Trev Alberts because, like, that is how you handle your it's job. amazing. Like, that's how you do your job right. Like, right. if you want to say, like, pick a job in the world and you say, you want to learn how to do a job right, watch the way Trev Albert did that job, right? Like, right. That's how you do a job correctly. Yeah, that's so, that's the biggest job thing he can do in his career there, and he did it like the absolute right way because that's hard to do. Like that's like a crisis almost, right? right? Like that's like handling the crisis, like lay, having it being prepared, lay out the steps, follow the steps. He made a hire, which I th- it's starting to look like a better hire every day. Right, because so, the next thing I wrote down was in Trev Alberts. Obviously, this is maybe the, if Frost being fired is the biggest story, the second biggest story is Matt Rule being hired as the Nebraska football coach. Yeah. You instantly become one of the most famous people, not only in the moment, but forever. Matt Rule will be forever famous now, yep. regardless of how long or well this goes. He's instantly etched in Nebraskans' history and lore immediately just by signing his name on that contract. I know. It's enorm- you know, so Matt Rule is now going to be intimately and enormously in part of our lives moving forward for however long. But it was it was very interesting how he was a guy that was rumored at the start, but he wasn't on the market because he was a head coach for Carolina, and then he gets fired, and then it, it just it was it, it wouldn't. I think it'd be interesting how there's a way of of after the fact. It was like it was always going to be Rule, and that's always what people wanted i don't know if that's necessarily the case i know i was initially a little lukewarm on it yeah. and i'm still i'm still sinking my teeth into rule and putting my arms around him but matt rule is a nebraska head football coach enormous story yeah huge huge uh th- that's kind of all i had for football i mean you could have wrote down casey thompson and and the does just how surprisingly good he was mm-hmm. and maybe that's that was is relative to what your expectation level was i just didn't know what to expect with casey but yeah. Uh, anything else for football? You think? Is that no, pretty much? I think we've done. We've been so thorough right. through the year that that uh, that's probably good. The other, the two other things, real quick. Um, for Nebraska basketball, I will say that this not this year's team, but last year's team, that was the worst Nebraska basketball team in my lifetime. Yeah, I went to one game and it was just it was so bad. It was like you kind of went, "Do I ever want to watch this team play uh, again?" That they were. Terrible mm-hmm. in every sense of the world. Like they were, they went ten and twenty-two. They didn't beat a power conference team until February 9th. They started one and sixteen in Big Ten play. They were just the softest team. I've it was it was bad. And so that's what makes this year cool. What Fred's done is he's like he shuffled the deck. He went out and got some tough guys, and they're actually like they're they playing. Just, they're playing defense. They're playing defense. Yeah. They're playing tough. They they almost beat Purdue. They hammered Iowa. They beat Creighton. So it's it's the juxtaposition in just one calendar year on two totally different teams. But I just wrote I wrote down worst Nebraska basketball team in my lifetime. I've yeah. never seen a team I don't get to go to a ton of games. I usually try to get to, you know, a couple a year. Yeah. I, I got to go to the Purdue the Purdue game yeah. this year. And, you know, Purdue was, you know, they had more talent, but like 
we we didn't look that much like the talent difference between them. It didn't look that much different. Right. I'm like, okay, that's a good sign for Nebraska yeah, basketball. We it, look tough. We look smart. Right. Um, they had a couple crafty good players, but like in the in the, the seven, seven four, four guy, yeah. But like <laughs> we played him tough. Yes. We played him well. Right. Had every opportunity to win that game. Yeah. Uh, the other big story: Fred Hoiberg being retained. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people thought he may get let go after how the first three seasons went from a results standpoint. I think it's pretty clear that Trev didn't want to have to deal with that in addition to everything that was going on. You had the frost thing looming. You got the $150 million facility. I just think he didn't want to deal with all that. And, and I'll, it's, still, I'll still defend both the, both those retainings. Me like, too. I, to me, it's like you don't do it until it's clear. And for whatever reason, I still, I'll still I'll go back and say this. It wasn't clear to me that Scott Frost needed to be fired. It wasn't clear to me that Hoiberg should have been fired. Like, right. You you should do it when you know, even if it's three games into the year, right? And you know, you know. Right. Same way, like if if Hoiberg's teams like right now look just like they did last yeah, year, then you go, eh. maybe he's not the coach we need. But you know right. what? Now you're still back to like, well, we're playing basketball. I still think it was the like to your point. I still think it was the right decision. If you're going off pure results, well, sure. Yeah, like Frost should have probably been let go after four years, and yeah. Fred should have been let go. But like. N- Everything you just laid out it sums it up perfectly. Like and and yeah, I mean it's Fred Hoiberg. It's Fred Hoiberg. It's Fred Hoiberg. Like that, you know? when we hired him, I thought, man, Unbelievable. are we lucky that we just hired Fred Hoiberg? I watched some. There's they do some like CBS Sports uh, does some like anonymous coaching surveys, and at the end of every like hiring and firing cycle, they survey all the coaches at best hire, and you, you go back. In that hiring cycle, yeah. it was Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska. It was like a land. It was like sixty. I want to say it was like sixty some percent of coaches said. Wow. So, totally get it. Uh, yep. Two, a couple other things. Creighton season was a shocker. Um, where you lose your entire starting five on a team that went to the Sweet Sixteen. You replace them with freshmen and a Division Two transfer. You go back to the NCAA tournament. You win a game in the NCAA tournament. You almost beat Kansas, who goes on to to win the national title. So a very like I thought, and we'll get into this. Like Greg McDermott went up a peg in my mind. Like I thought that was his best year coaching yep. ever. Um, so that was a big story. I think it's also always notable. Nebraska's sellout streak didn't officially end. Important. 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 Then the last thing locally I wrote down: uh, Nebraska now sells beer at basketball games. This big. That's uh, a big story. You Step know? in the direction of beer in Memorial beer Stadium. Memorial Stadium, baby. So that, that's what I had locally. Okay. Nationally, just hammer through some of these. Okay. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Georgia winning the college football playoff. Um, it's weird. I don't think I have a major takeaway from Georgia winning. 
I, my bigger takeaway was that Cincinnati made the playoff a year ago because I really felt like in its current format, a four-team playoff, a group of five team would never make it, but they made it. But did you? But Georgia win. I mean, you get whoever won the football Georgia, national title. So I think the takeaway is Georgia has replaced Alabama as one A right now. That's a good point. You know, like Especially right now as they're we're taping this. Now they're on the precipice of maybe winning two in yeah, a row. Yeah, I mean it's gonna they're gonna be hard to beat. But like they they are, yeah. Like Alabama was one A for a decade. Yes, and I think Georgia just overtook them it's one a and one b now right clemson was like knocking on the door but now clemson is falling back clemson's and i think this is what's so hard about uh being the best is like you got to keep getting these these great players and great players and then you have too many of them that go pro right and then you get too many people that now can transfer to go be a start so like there's these it's going to be hard for these teams now i think like to stay on top i don't know that the nil era helps these teams anymore like i almost think the sweet spot for some of these teams was cheating behind closed doors cheating behind <laughs> closed doors when yeah when like and you couldn't transfer you and, you, and transferring right. and transferring was hard so almost from from like 2010 to 2020 i think was like that was the peak for those programs right and now it's like a program like Oregon is going to get even better. Right. They're going to be able to pay. Like, I don't care. Phil Knight's going to be like, look, there's going to be a lot of Nike contracts. Sure. USC now is something is going to come back. So you know, I'm very interested to see the, the, how much the NIL and transfer portal are going to hurt the Alabamas and the Georgias, the Clemsons, Ohio State's a little bit like, because who they're they're developmental guys if people are going to be throwing money like so right those are going those schools are either going to have to pony up and start paying their developmental guys they're going to have to start paying their their i mean cuz that's the thing about the the Bama Georgia Ohio State teams like they're second they're too deep their second stringers are like first or second round picks yeah they're going they're the future first round picks so the problem is like if you're not willing to pay them half a million to a million you know what maybe uh, I don't know. Nebraska maybe they go to Ole Miss. Maybe they go to Texas Nebraska. Or they, or, yeah, yeah, like right. the next tier down, the you know historic top forty teams, right? Right. Those teams are going to be coming for some of your best backups, and so then the same thing. Like, and then the more of these guys that are juniors going to the pros, and there's that re- that reload year. It's hard. Like Georgia's doing a reload year mm-hmm. and has much. That's really hard to do. And so like Alabama, like they're. You know, they usually have a year on, year off, year on, year off. Right. Um, because you, you lose some of your guys. You lose a quarterback or you lose your, you know, three defensive linemen that won you the national championship. So I, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how the, these, like, top-tier teams play out in this era. Well, the thing that's interesting about what Georgia's attempting to do here now is, and I, I, meant, I made a note to research this, and I just it, I f- forgot about it. The list of teams that have won back-to-back Oof. national champions. Not many. I mean, it's Bama, Nebraska. It, there has to be some uh, other ones that have won back-to-back. Did Oklahoma it, ever do that? I, mean, I don't I'm 70s? just saying. I think Oklahoma maybe in probably the Probably that makes sense. Like yeah. 74, 75. So I guess what I'm getting at now is like they're, they're about to move into a... Obviously, winning a title puts you in a very elite club. But you are going up a level... 
to be one of the very there can't be more than five or six programs I mean, think, ever. Think of the teams like you know the Miami team that won and then they lose the next year, or uh, the USC USC yeah. team that won won and then they lose to Texas. Like it's really hard, even when you bring back Reggie Bush, Matt Lyon. Like right. it's hard to do it again with with superstars. So. Um, like I said, we'll see what happens here. They got to beat Ohio State, right? Um, and which will be tough, but yeah, yeah it's just it's. I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, what's what's the list of programs that have won back to back titles? Um, got to be pretty low. I think. I think. I think now the hard part is we're getting when I mean, you go back to back in 1892. There was, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're getting into that. Like I'm talking like modern era from 19. Oh, I don't know. If you want to start it at you know 1960 and on. 1970 and on, not very many programs have won two. I mean, think of how good Nebraska football was from 1970 to 1997, and it only won back-to-back one time. It only won three of them, or four, or five of them if you... Yeah. Or they did it back-to-back twice. Yeah, I mean, the set, yeah, so back-to-back in... In 70, 70 71, 71, and then yeah. 94, 95. Yeah. But th- think about that. that. The amount of teams that were good enough to win it all... Not many, you know. So it's let's I don't see know. here. Winning back to back national championships is rare. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Let's see, they got here. Can't be very many, man. I just I would even off the top of my head, I can't think. Bama, Nebraska, Alabama has done it three times. Yep, six four six five seventy eight seventy nine two thousand eleven two thousand twelve. Um. Notre Dame in the old days, like yep. you said, US. Well, they gave USC 03 and 04, but that was. Remember that one was the 03 one. I was that one. They that was when they had the split. Split, right? Yeah. Okay. So they did do it then, but they didn't do it in the uh, 04 or 05. Crazy. Um, Nebraska Army. Yeah. I mean, I'm just short saying, list. So I was saying it's just short a list. Short list. So. The other thing I wrote down, uh, Kansas winning the NCAA tournament. And I write that I talk about, like, I think you see this year, Steph went up a level, and a guy like Bill Self goes up a level. So a lot of people that have one title, when you get that second title, you're now in elite company, right? You're with Coach K, with Jay Wright, you're with Dean Smith, you're with John Wooden, you're with the the creme de la creme. And I also think Bill Self solidifies himself as the best coach currently doing it. and but, he's but he's been so consistent oh, for so it's, many it's years. Insane. I mean, he's owned the the Big, Big 12. Twelve for twenty years now. So he's now got two titles. He's got four Final Fours, um, and then whatever. I mean, he's got I've lost. I mean, How he's got like he sixteen conference titles. Yeah, I mean that's the part. You know, it's, like when you can win your conference every year, like you own the conference, especially when the Big Twelve is the best basketball conference. I it's know. it's become the best, and so. I wrote that down. Also, St. Peter's, that's an all-time NCAA run. First 15 seed to ever go to the Elite Eight. They beat Kentucky in the first round. They mm-hmm. beat a good Purdue team uh, as well. Um, it's so crazy that I called on Westwood One their conference championship game against Monmouth in uh, Atlantic City. <laughs> you ever been to Atlantic City? No. Oh, boy. Nucky Thompson. Nucky Thompson. There? Like, I'm telling you, you talk about a place that I, even Chalky as like a grown man, wouldn't have felt overly safe walking around wow. but it's just crazy that i saw the beginning of it all uh but that's a i mean it's an all-time that's an all-time ncaa tournament run yeah that's that was incredible that feels like a million years ago though to me isn't right. it amazing right like, i know <laughs> march of last year coach uh. k retiring huge story um 
I wrote down, I, I said he's a top 10 coach of all time in any sport. If you were going to, real quick, I wrote down, I could only get to, okay, John Wooden, Vince Lombardi, Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Coach K. Who else needs to be in that group? If we have four more spots, if we're saying there are 10 spots, do you agree Coach K is in that spot? Yes, yes. Coach K... Like, I put him above Bob Knight. I put him above Dean Smith. I put him above Adolph Rupp. I put him above, you know, like those. Yeah, those I, I, I would personally. So, like, there's there might be some that love Dean Smith more than me. I mean, I, I like Dean Smith, but, like, I'm a, I'm a Coach K guy. Right. So he, I'm I a, think he's above Roy Williams. I'm um, a, I'm a, I go John Wooden, Coach K for bat, for college basketball. And then, then I probably, it's like, Roy Williams, Bill Self, just because of you, yes, your connection right. with them yeah. makes me love them. But I also think they're they're amazing coaches. So, oh yeah, he he's uh, here's what I say. He's the number two all time college basketball coach. Um, here's what's hard. So, besides football and basketball, what other sport? Like, is there a baseball coach no, that is all? I don't think so. No, no baseball's not in baseball there. Baseball manager, I guess. Uh, uh, okay, who is uh, uh, the name? Around, is Tom Osborne on this list? Top ten all time coach. I all time college football. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All time college football. Yes. To make all time, he's probably not. I think it's probably like if if two people in Nashville, Tennessee, are making a list of all time coaches, they're probably not putting Tom Osborne on it. But like, he's got one of those resumes that's probably a little better than people realize. But I put. Oof. I said Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach of all time. Nick Saban is now the greatest college football coach of all time. Then it's like then you get your Joe Paterno's your your uh, well I put Ozzy over Paterno so do I I put Ozzy over Paterno Urban Meyer Bear, Bear Bryant I yeah. think goes does he go above Ozzy not to me not to me but uh, how many titles did he win he win more than did he win more than three he might have. 64, 65, 78, 79. So he won four. Ozzy won three, but Ozzy could have won five or six. But And Ozzy, uh, the, the consistent, it's the, from 1972 to 1997, a, an unprecedented level of consistently elite. They were, it was the, be, the best college football program. Yeah. I, I think Ozzy. So if it's if it's a draw between or if it's close to anybody, I'm going to go Ozzy, of course, yeah. because of I, I know him and love him. Um, so, but I'm just I'm trying to not be like right. Nebraska biased here. I don't think here. he is. If I so, if I like a Bill Walsh would be a guy that we right. have to consider. Bill Walsh was Jimmy revolutionary. Johnson. Um, Jimmy Johnson won in college and, and in pro. the pros. You know, um, then you get your Bill Parcells. You get your Bill uh, Parcells. You yeah. you know, you get your Mike Ditka. Your uh, Ditka, no Parcells. Um, Don Shula. The 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 time. I mean, he the most wins, right? Right. Bill Cower. I'm just trying to throw out names. No, Ozzy over Cower. What now Ozzy over Don Shula or Tom Landry. Right. Those are like the long. Those guys had like right. the long run. So that's where it's hard. Is like, I'd almost want to put. Ozzy, ooh Don Shula, like that's, that's another. What, like one. You, you, when you get into listing football coaches, just to be hard to, you know, how do you separate? Tom I Osborne think you from, have to, you have to separate by sport almost. Like you have to say, like, okay, let's do top five or ten of each sport right. because because, because, because we only have sports. what about we only have one NBA. We have Phil Jackson is the second oh, yeah. of all time. Yeah. I mean, there's Pat Riley, Red Auerbach, 
Greg Popovich, uh, you know, you could even Steve Kerr's built himself quite a quite a resume here. Kerr's um, too. It's he's too recent. He hasn't put in the years, right? He, he's he, he like you. You have to endure like yeah twenty years of coaching. Right. He's right? only been a head coach for uh, eight years, eight, eight eight or nine years. But he's got four titles. Four titles, eight. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, but it's like he hit the per. Like you walked in, it's like here's Steph Curry. Clay it's Thompson a little it. bit like Phil Jackson, except for then he did it again with the Lakers. Right. So that's where Jackson goes to the top, I think. Right. But Red Arbach, Pat Jackson, Riley, Greg Riley, Popovich. You know, Riley also because of like how good of a of like a front office guy he right, is too. Right. Because did Riley went when the Heat won in 06, was Riley the head coach? Yeah. So he, I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah. Pretty impressive, but Coach K retiring, big story. Yes, um, whoever wins the Super Bowl is always a big story. Rams beat the Bengals twenty three to twenty. Um, it's actually a good finish to that yeah. game. Matthew, St- I think it's the big story with that to me. Whereas you know, you get Matthew Stafford spends over a decade just in Detroit, like not able to win, and then all of a sudden he gets in a different situation. He wins year one. Um, Sean McVay, the boy wonder. Mm-hmm. I think he's changed how people hire, and he gets a ring. Um, but it was also an incredible run from the Bengals, and then you know you, the Burrow connection, and then the Zach Taylor connection was huge story of the of yeah, the, the Bengals last year. are relevant. It's really yes. kind of cool to see the Bengals be relevant, and the fact is there's two Nebraska guys that kind of have made them relevant, right. and you gotta love it. I mean, it's I call, amazing. I call Joe Burrow a, a Nebraska guy because well, like. You- his brothers are friends of mine, and and I knew his dad who was a Husker, and so like, and there's always the unfortunate yeah. connection of Nebraska maybe could have had him and didn't, but like yeah, he's synonymous gonna, with Nebraska that will, in that regard. That's one's going to age worse for us too. <laughs> you no. think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Steve Kerr, the other thing I wrote down: the Golden State Warriors winning their fourth championship. It vaults Steph into a top ten player of all time to me. Yep. It vaults it. It changes. I almost think it changes. It changed a lot. This title changed a lot for the Warriors and for Steph. Like to win it, because there was some people, and I'm not saying I didn't, I maybe would humor this conversation. Like, okay, you won one, then you get KD and you win two. Mm -hmm. How, I mean, okay, you got Kevin Durant. Yeah. All right. But this, for that group to do it again, pretty, pretty impressive. Clay coming back from the knee to that, that, uh, I, I really felt, I felt like, that yeah, that solidified Steph and Clay. Like it, it kind of almost made Durant look worse. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I don't need to be. I don't mean to be Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless first take segment. Like, but I don't think there's any way you can look at that and view that as something that probably isn't good for Kevin Durant's. Yeah, rep and it, resume and all. That and, stuff. and I think that the fact they've been like the whole Brooklyn just it just feels ugly there. It just feels like. Things have right. It he, just so he leaves. Brooklyn goes has struggled, and Golden State goes and wins another title. That's not that's not a great look. No, not a great look. But they but, got, they got magic. They got magic between you know Clay, Steph, uh, Steve Kerr. And I guess you got to give Draymond his, his due. I mean, Draymond's not my number one guy, but he he he's, he's he plays winning. Yeah, yeah. He plays winning basketball for them. And and it just again. The, the big thing, I thought it was silly because I think Steph should have won MVP in 2015. I mean, give me a break. Iguodala, like, come on. Yeah. The, the, like, but the the big thing people hung over him is that he never was a finals MVP. He now adds that. Do, do people like just to find, like, the one thing you don't do and be like, 
but you've never done that. So that's, I'm going to now like, it's a really weird, it's a really weird trait people do, especially in the media. It's like they find that one thing, people that do amazing things and they just search for something they haven't done. Be like, but you haven't done this. It's like, is that just like a weird tick they have? I I think so. And, but you could tell Steph, I mean, the, the emotion, remember he was crying on the floor in the Boston garden and what he did and what was a game five, where he just went off. He had like 47 or something. And it was, yeah. he was on, that was the as does the best Steph's ever been was last year in the playoffs. He's the greatest shooter the world has ever seen. Yes. Like the greatest to ever shoot a basketball. Like, un, like just by far. And then he also like is a winner and a, you know, he's just an all around good player. And it's just amazing. It's a, it's a gift to watch that guy play basketball. The other thing I wrote down, Nikola Jokic winning his second straight MVP, just kind of along the same lines of what we're talking about with uh, Georgia. And you're, it's a short list of people that have won back-to-back MVPs. Under the, it's under the radar. It's under people the radar. don't like, talk about them that much. People don't, like right now when people, you you stopping them in the street and saying, name, name the best players in the league. Not everybody's going to name Jokic right away. No. And it's just, you know, part of it, he's in Denver and they, they haven't, had a bunch of playoff success, but pretty amazing. The list of players to win back-to-back MVPs is small, yep. and it's an elite group. Yep. Uh, the great Bill Russell passed away this year. Mm-hmm. The NBA's greatest winner, even for being a Jordan guy, he's the great. He is, when you think of winner in sports, it is Bill Russell. Yeah. 11 championships, and not only one of the greatest athletes, but you know everything he did in terms of social change, all that stuff, like just an amazing life and an amazing person a trailblazer in in every sense of the word i mean yes. he, he was a force and i don't think we our generations can really understand how good and how much of a winner he is because you just didn't get to see yeah. like what he, what he was about and i think sometimes people don't believe like like oh i couldn't like like yes trust me like yeah. like next level good you can take next level good and put it in any era right and so but it's also like how you do in your era is that's all that it I, I i'm you, you i'm don't so need t- to worry about right like cool could he have done, well you put him against rudy gobert what happens he kicks rudy gobert's ass yeah that's what he does and rudy gobert like, like <laughs> you don't have any training nobody's gonna spot you when you're 13 and right. teach you how like rudy gobert's 10 times worse than he is now playing bill russell as bill russell was right everything's so relative bill russell to- will crush him yes yeah. yes uh, but certainly, a, I mean, that's a huge story of the year. The thing I wrote down, live golf. We don't have to talk a lot about this, but boy, shook up the golf world pretty good where professional golf on the PGA Tour, man, that has been something that has been status quo and something I've never even really thought about. Yeah. Just kind of like how it's constructed and how these people, how these athletes get money. There's no, the, the only guarantee money they get is from sponsors. Other than that, it's kind of odd to yeah. think like you have a professional league where think of like the NBA. These guys didn't get paid unless they won. And the vast majority of their money actually came from like endorsements. Yeah, and so, the only way they got money from basketball was if they won. Is okay, this an so, interesting? So, so explain model? to me, like, what's what's a contract look like from Live Golf? Well, they pay they they a lot of them are just like now, is it I like think the more you dig into a hundred million dollar, like, yeah, I, like some of these guys signed a hundred million dollar contract. 
See, I guess and, I haven't been following as closely in terms of the contract. Well, I think I think one thing you and and I don't want to. I mean, I'm not up to speed on all the P's and Q's and everything within these live golf contracts. But I think one thing you found out is there's there was a little bit of fine print in these contracts where it wasn't specific. I think there was some hidden things within there that weren't necessarily great for some of the golfers. But yeah, I think these guys were basically given contracts. We'll give you a hundred million dollars. You know. Uh, Dustin Johnson to come play live golf. Yeah. And okay. Here, here it is. Two hundred million for Phil Mickelson. One hundred and fifty for Dustin Johnson. One hundred and twenty-five for Bryson DeChambeau. One hundred million for Brooks yeah. Kepka. I mean, so it's a hundred million dollars. I mean, can you turn that down? And so like, I think that's the thing that that you know a guy like Ernie Els who was big a big part of pushing this towards. And then there's you know there's the whole morality thing of you know working with the Saudis and all that stuff that like that's that's another mm-hmm. conversation, but. You know, just just the the way you look at how the sport is built, I think, or people like Ernie Els felt like it's not it's not right that these guys are professionals and they're the only way they're getting paid is if they win. You know, yeah, yeah. And I and I think a guy like Tiger, who is adamantly anti live golf, who is all about competition and that that you know that's got to be a part. That's what makes professional golf professional golf yeah so i don't know it just it'll be really really interesting to see what what does professional golf look like in two years five years ten years because live live came up and shook shit up pretty good well here's the thing is now it's going to be the people that that claim to be the to like tiger woods right yeah and tiger can genuinely be that but he's also making a billion dollars but i've heard live offered him something that was close to a billion Probably they probably did, and that's and he's got enough money where he can turn that down. But and he's accomplished. He, you know, it'd be interesting if they did that when he was in 1998. Nick, I'm telling you, it would be really hard to Nick a billion dollars. Is and then obviously you wouldn't dollars. be a billion in 98. But it may, I mean, when he won in 97, it was he was instantly like the guy, you yeah. know. And so yeah, it, so the next be- guy that has like Tiger Woods ish apparel, I mean, or appeal, yeah, uh, and they throw a billion dollars at him before he's made you know 20 yeah. or 30 or 50 million like that's insane it's so insane Completely that you insane. just go well maybe i'll, I'll consider that I'm just, uh, it'd be interesting to see what professional golf looks like now because even now like you know some they're, they're trying to make a hard and fast rule with pga tour like if you're a part of live golf you can't play in the majors ooh. there's been that discussion i think the masters came out and said that the guys that are on live golf can play in the masters but that honestly i feel like that's what to save the PGA Tour and save professional golf as we know it, I think it's going to take that. I think it's going to take Ooh. the PGA Tour probably making some changes with you know how they structure money with their players. But at some point, if you tell Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, on and on and on, you can't play in the Masters, you can't play in you know these other non-live golf, and I don't yeah. know where the USGA is, so the US Open or the British Open, like if you can't play in these majors but then does it hurt the majors it does that's the problem it waters down the majors if these guys aren't playing which means that it almost self-inflicts a wound on the pga yeah so 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 that's the hard part so they got to decide how to do this i mean tough right be interesting to see what happens um the other thing i wrote down uh, we don't have to talk a lot about that but i mean serena williams retired she's probably the she's the goat tennis player and probably the goat tennis player male or female I mean, she, how many titles did she win? Oh, God. I, mean, I don't even... Like, her resume is just absurd. 
By the way, if you haven't seen King Richard, that's what I was going to say. Like, hey, it's an amazing King Richard, movie. All like, I can tell you about Serena Richard, I really like King Richard. Yes, good movie. King Richard was an incredible movie. Um, but Serena, I mean, the the greatest tennis player to ever live. And she's 41. Wow, God, to play that long, like that's a long time to be playing. So, the, so to me, anytime the greatest whatever hangs it up, yeah, that's a big story. Yeah, it's a huge story. So. I didn't. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of. I didn't either. I'm not. I'm not going to claim. Uh, I mean, uh, I. I can count on one hand the amount of like. I don't know if I ever sat and watched. Shame on me. I probably never sat and watched a full tennis match of Serena's. But I, to be honest with you, I don't know if I ever watched a full tennis match. Period. I in the '90s, like when I was like a kid, I watched a lot of tennis. Like you Michael Chang, Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras, Jim, and, Jim, Jim Collins, Jim yeah, Collins. That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And so like. Yeah, Pete Sampras, Pete. Yeah, yeah. So when I was, I I love tennis as a kid. I stopped watching a little bit more as I got older, but still, every once in a while, you watch. Yeah, you get Nadal because Federer retired this year as well. Yeah. Um. So two of the greatest players ever, Federer, hanging it up. Yeah, uh, USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten. Obviously, it's a weird thing because it hasn't officially happened yet, but the story breaks this year. Huge story, enormous story. As, as it, it seismic as it gets. It is beginning. It has begun. The The shift to the Super Conference is it's happening. Because you had Oklahoma and Texas the year before going to the SEC. Now you have USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. And you wonder what the – it seems like the Big 12 has kind of land has, has steadied the ship a little bit. Yeah. And they're going to survive. Pac-12, who knows? I mean, I mean who knows? T- Kansas State and TCU doing really well this year helps, helps them, right. right? Kansas doing better helps them. And Kansas doing, yes, like, Oak, right. Okie State being good, like, it helps. Uh, I do think, though, uh, if they have a couple down years, it's not going to look great. Um, the next big domino to fall, though, is... It, Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame or Oregon, maybe? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I, right. I think, I still think everybody's waiting on Notre Dame. That's probably Notre my Dame, thought is... I'd love if the Big Ten gets Notre Dame for sure. If Oregon and, and Notre Dame go to the Big Ten, it's like my thing is there. But you know what I've read is that they're thinking about travel partners and equity and balancing geography. So I I actually wouldn't be surprised if it's like I could see a couple of West Coast schools like Oregon and Stanford or something. Oregon, like that Stanford, Washington probably come in and maybe and Notre Dame. I think I think you want to balance it a little bit, and then and then Nebraska and probably Nebraska goes, be in the the Big Ten West, which is going to feature the West West teams. Probably you know? Iowa, Minnesota, um, maybe Illinois or Illinois. That's the one that gets tricky because, or maybe Notre Dame because yeah. Notre Dame plays. Notre Dame, Notre Dame and USC are USC rivals. every year, so maybe that would be kind of cool. And actually, Nebraska and, and, and Notre, Notre Dame, Dame got a little some, thing too. So, but that huge, moments. huge, huge, huge story, huge good. story. I still think good for Nebraska. Like we, you know, we have made done the well move traditionally. That, we made the yeah. move the Big Ten. We've played terrible in the Big Ten, but I think long term. We've never been out in the cold because of it, for sure. Which now feels like the big, the Big Twelve is in the cold almost, right? Because right? you know, they get what well, they got: Central Florida, Houston, BYU, and uh, Central Florida, Houston, BYU. Oh God, who's the fourth Big Twelve team that's that they're adding? Central Cin- Florida, Cincy, Cincinnati. Cincy. There you go. Boom. Yeah. Yep. So. So we'll see what what kind of value those people bring as well. Um, interested to get your take on Aaron Judge broke Roger Maris's sixty one home run record this year. 
to me, Bonds is still the home run king with 70 or whatever he hit. I mean, I get the roids, all that stuff. It's also hard for me. Like, I was in St. Louis. I saw McGuire hit 62. I still, even though, like, I love the Sosa-McGuire thing so much yeah. more than the Bonds thing. Because I think I, by that point, did we all kind of suspect Bonds? Yeah, I think so. I think it was oh, starting I, yes. to suspect Bonds. Um we I think we suspected it with McGuire and everybody, yeah. but like I guess I just think it's interesting, like it's a huge story, but it's it's a it's a weird one because like I, I felt like it was it was under the radar for hitting that many home runs. Right. Um uh, and then I had people tell me, Nick, no, it was on the news every day. I was like, Really? Maybe I just felt like it I was cutting into college football game. Like when he would go to bat, it, yeah. they would cut ESPN would cut into a college football game. And maybe that maybe that was more than I caught on, but I felt like I didn't hear people talking about it. Like yeah. I didn't hear not people, like not like the home run race of the summer of no the the, the ninety seven was like it was like a mania it yes. was like everybody whenever Sosa and McGuire were up were trying to find a TV all summer yes it was like an all summer thing all all fall thing so I think the judge thing was uh, amazing I mean what he did yeah, that's amazing yeah, yeah. to do I think it's just it's hard. To put it in perspective, because of the Bonds, McGuire, and that they're tainted. Well, it's like you saw, uh, yes, but it's like you saw, it's it's always hard when you saw someone hit more than 61 home runs. Like, you saw it. It's just too bad that, like, that, that, that the era got so out of control with with the roids. That right. it, like I know. It that got, it's... they let it get that far. Um, the Astros won the World Series. The only reason I wrote this down is a little bit of redemption for them, probably for the cheating scandal from a few years ago of stealing signs with their all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, also, Argentina wins the World Cup, beats France. Messi finally wins. Uh, some of the it's a lot of people say it's the greatest World Cup final ever. I watched uh, the last. I watched like the last. Uh, I, I mean, I saw a few of the goals just throughout the day. I mean that that game, and I watched the last like thirty minutes. I was like, this is amazing. This incredible. was incredible. It's nuts. Um, Mike Leach passed away. One of the most innovative football coaches ever. I guess I didn't realize until it's in shame on me. Until someone passes, you don't realize the impact they had. But like you talk to a lot of people in and around football, and it's like that guy. There are a lot of coaches that come and have success. There aren't a lot of people that come in and truly change the sport. Yeah. Leach kind of changed football with how you know the 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 run and gun. Uh, the way he kind of, yeah, I mean, I approached I, it. I faced his teams yeah. multiple times, and they they gave us problems a lot, uh, just because they they were very different. I mean, they no still nobody's doing what they were doing right the years it, they played us. They would do these things where the linemen had these splits that were like like three yards. Yeah, right. It was like it was what like, do you do? You go okay. Um, but, the, but the second year they did it, we just we started like we we almost blitzed every play. Like you'd have we had all these guys in the line of scrimmage, and it was basically like they had to pick one, and there was always a free guy. So like they had like right. It was kind of an interesting. It was I didn't like I I wouldn't ever run anything like that. No, but I'm just yeah. But he was so creative willing, and willing to he go was for willing yes. to try anything. Right, and then and then you com combine with his personality, which he had gobs of it. You know, yeah. he's it was such a unique, fun guy. Uh, and then the last thing I wrote down, and I'm probably forgetting some stuff, but uh, last thing I wrote down is, and I think it's something that Ivan had go. Oh yeah, Tom Brady retired, and then unretired. 
kind of amazing to think about. Like the greatest football player to ever live, yeah. retired and now came back, and now him and Giselle are getting. I getting I wonder if that had a piece of. The oh, pie. I think so. Too, which is a little like, damn, Tommy, you're my guy, but like, I mean, it seems like right now he chose like football over like her. That's kind of what it seems like. <laughs> Which is I like, don't know, bro. What are you I doing? Don't know. But it's just you know, anytime a retire and an unretire is a big, yeah, uh, a a big story. Uh, so yeah, those. There you go. Like kind of a nice way to reflect on 2022 with all like a lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened in sports. Yeah, it's uh, it, guys, it's just it's almost like what's weird now is like the years are going faster, but then it's like the memories seem farther away. I know. Like, uh, you're saying all those things. I'm like, I can like barely remember. I like last... barely remember the Super Bowl. I barely remember like the football national title game a year ago. I like barely remember it. March Madness. Like I said, you said March Madness. And I was like, uh, I, I right. mean, like it's felt like 10 years ago. Right. Um, any big, as we, as we sign off here, big, what was biggest achievement event of this last year for you? Any, anything in particular stand out? Uh, personal or just like yeah, event? For, uh, either one. You know, it could be a fun trip, a fun moment, a big thing that you did professionally. A, you know, something. Oh, was there anything major with you? For me, it's I had a baby, I had my third baby. Oh yes, that's yeah. right. Mar, your boy Marv, Marv me, me yeah, and him Marv became was in best the world. friends. Became best friends yesterday. Yes. so that was good. Uh, anything gosh, personal my, with you happen? I'm trying to. You know, I I'd say. We went to doing two pods a week. Yeah. I think that's a big. That was a big. Yeah, I thought we had a good year. I thought, jump. I thought we had a really good podcast year. Me and you did our best. I mean, yeah. I think easily our best. Doing yep. two a week and like the response on YouTube uh, to incorporate like a little well. music into it. And yeah, yeah I like, think we we took a little bit of a leap this year, just adding more and being really consistent through the season. Um, yeah, that was really. I think that was pretty sweet in, uh, in terms of like. Yeah. Bod in the years. So. Right. And then I don't have like 2023. I always, you know, in terms of not a New Year's resolution, but a goal. And something I think you always, you and I have talked about of just like, I still don't feel good about my social life. You know? Oh, mine's terrible. And I don't know what to do about it, but I'm going to try. I don't yeah. know what that even looks like. It's hard when you have kids. This is my social life. I know. That's I, what. You know, the best part about this, this is it. This is like, this, this the is podcast better. has saved. My social life. With well, you. that's why I like. Maybe I don't feel so bad. It's like we get to do this twice a week, so right. I'm like, it gets a lot of like our like. I've been dying to talk to you. About I know. This, so we know? hang a little bit, but yeah, I just want to. I I just want to get. I would say if to, like, I want to get to the point in 2023 where I'm not trying to get through each day. Yeah, and I'm sure parents probably can feel me with that. Like, there's a feeling with kids where you're just trying to get them to like when they when you hear them cry and you got to get them out of the crib it's like all right it's a battle just to get them back in that crib at night like i uh, want to try to get to where i'm not like i'm not playing from behind you I know, know what i mean I, I, like that is such a such a truism like we all know it like there's a nap time and there's a bedtime and you're just like there's a point in each part of the day where you're like just get me to 11 just or get, just get yeah. me to seven. Just you know, get, like yes. I just get like, and that's a bad way to think. I, I hate but that I live like that. It. Like, I think the first couple hours when you're watching your kids, right. You're not thinking that way. Right. And then at some point they just start, and you start going, you start right, going, oh, man, you, I win but it's bad. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you gotta get, you know, because but, you want some you time. Right. And so I, I want to get to where I have such a better handle on my life where 
I'm not getting through. I'm not just, it's not a grind to get through each day. And then not only do I have such a hold on that, I can also like carve out time to be more social and do different things. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to try. I think what's hard is not as much like having kids. I think it's little kids. I think zero to four, they need certain things and amounts of energy and attention that like, it's just like every adult that's got a kid figures out like, yeah, this is hard. The other thing, the other thing I got to do that you certainly, you know, you're one of the most remarkably consistent people at this is like, now some of this spills into last, into a, a year ago, in a year and a half, like, I've had quite the weight fluctuation. I lost, at one, at one point, my lowest point, I lost 32 pounds. Oh yeah. That was the middle of summer, right? Yeah. Or just, yeah, yeah. I lost, but then have a baby, the third baby, I then... You know, Marv had some oxygen stuff too early, which, you know, like getting great workouts in is going to be challenging. Then I have my hernia surgery. And then before you know it, I've put on like, you know, 15-ish pounds, almost 20 pounds. Like, so now I got to like, hopefully we're talking next year. Like, I got to lose that shit again, you know? So everybody has like the, the, almost every New Year's resolution centers around like, I got to get back on the grind and all that stuff. The good thing is when you've done it, you know, like, okay, I can do, I, I did it. Yep. I've done it. It's got to do it again. It's amazing how, do you have any secrets for people on how like you are one of the most remarkably consistent, you're very disciplined, Yeah. but like you, it's amazing. I have never, like, I've never seen you really like, I'm, I'm down for me. I'm usually like at 200 right. and I'm like light for me right But now. it's amazing how, how amazing you, you know, but the see, discipline I'm, I'm and a, the, I'll swing with how I usually eat pretty good, but yeah. sometimes I'll get, I'll get, you know, off eating soup, you know, clean as i'd like but i don't go two days without working out almost ever right i feel bad like i'm the type like it's just in my nature yes. now like i gotta work out you know it's a great feeling when you have that because I, when i was on my like i had that where if i went with one day i was like sh- sh- like I, I was shaking i felt terrible oh. i you know all that stuff and so but yeah so, so do you think that's the mo- the biggest thing well i think that that leads to the first that's the first step into the next good step right like if i work out i usually eat better i agree if you're laying around you usually eat worse you're bored you know like you feel worse you sleep worse i sleep better when i eat work out like it all usually works well i didn't for get me sick then. for a year there you go i really I, i'm serious i did not get sick for a year and then like <laughs> i put on weight again and i got sick like it's wild how much that, that it all that's how it works the, so. the other thing too i feel like for for me I can feel when I eat bad food, it really affects me. It affects my energy. It affects how I feel. It affects, yeah. like all that. So, but yeah, it's, I'm, the I'm a, new year, Nick, is the time. I know. I got to start man. again. Got to get back to on be it. born anew. Got to get back on it. So there you go. Hour about an hour and seven minutes. A little 2022 year in review. All right, man. There well, you go. I mean, it's New Year's Eve. You're gonna, I mean. We're gonna we're gonna eat some food. We got some sparkling grape juice. We're gonna Ooh. do a fake countdown with Mava, and we'll drink some fake champagne. And that's yeah. that's on the on the plans here. We're, we're same gonna, way. We are not. I mean, I am so proud that I'm not going out. I'm oh. not even. We we kept trying to do that for years, and it's just like that's it's it's become my least favorite holiday. I, I I'm telling you, I'm not going out, and I'm couldn't be happier about it yeah like if someone even right now like if kim came down like hey you you and bo can go out and you guys can celebrate new year's i'd be like you sure no it's it's a <laughs> there's a desperation out at new year's that i've 
been a part of, and I maybe was the desperate. You're oh, either yeah, desperate. I used, to, I used to be desperate to like it. You, you want to meet a young yeah, lady, or like when the ball out. drops, it's kissing someone time. to kiss, right? Or you're desperate to have a great time because this is your night out, right? And you're searching for the. F- I did that so many years, and I just went, "What am I doing? I know. You know what? Is I, it? I know. I'm with you. I'm, I'm just proud like not doing it. Let's quit searching for that. You know, quit like searching, baby. Yeah." quick search okay well happy new year man let's go we'll get you get you home and get you to doing nothing to celebrate new year's eve how about that here's to 2023 (laughs) cheers everybody cheers a heard at sports network production